Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. Uh, just had maybe the most eventful 12-hour span in the history of the league in terms of transactions. So we brought the A-team in for our early week podcast. Um, joining us from Boston is Jackie McMullen. And joining us from Texas is band Wrong. Man. Oh, where, Salt Lake City are you? Summer League, baby. Salt Lake City oh, Summer look League, at man. You. By the way, it's a how about the Utah time Jazz? For, for the Jazz, yeah. How about My the goodness. Utah Jazz? Well, we'll talk uh, about them I think in a I'm minute. I see some executives strutting around the uh, the arena <laughs> when I get over there this evening. Uh, yeah, I forgot Summer League is already beginning. Wow. Um, so yeah, stunning. I, we're in a very, very nimble time. And even though we try to be very nimble as a podcast medium, uh, I'm nervous about doing too much talking about things that we don't know. We don't know where Kawhi is going. And um, obviously when he makes his mind up, we'll have a lot to say about it. I, 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 it's, it's really hard to, to know the lay of the land until that happens, and I don't want to date this. I really want to talk about what we know, mm-hmm. but I am feeling more like the Lakers are a chance. I wouldn't have thought that was a chance. I don't want to dwell on this point, but just hear from you guys real quick. Jackie, I, I thought it was Clippers for a long time, and then I thought, well, Forever. maybe he'll stay with Toronto. And, right. and I do believe that there's some real traction towards the Lakers. I, I, I still think the Clippers are the pick, but I, I admit I don't know at this point. Oh, well, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you, Brian. And I, I thought Kawhi was going to be one of the few guys that just announced where he was going because it seemed to me it was a two-man race. And clearly, I mean, there's too much... There's too much smoke for there not to be a little bit of fire here. I It was bad news for the Toronto Raptors the minute he said he was taking meetings. That's bad news because you don't need a meeting to know what happened in Toronto. You won the championship. You were the reason. You can eat free for the rest of your life there. I imagine everyone else will throw that in too. I would. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> I, I just find this I find this um, curious. I, you know, our intel had been, Brian, and you know, that Kawhi was not enamored with playing alongside LeBron James. So what has changed? Well, he apparently, now I trust Brad Turner, Brad Turner from the LA Times. He's yes, really, he's covered the Lakers for a long time. And some of the top, you know, he was saying yesterday that when he talked to Magic, um, that he asked about, you know, what was going on internally there like how bad it really was was it was it as bad as what we saw on tv and more importantly this raised my eyes he asked if according to according to brad turner if he could bring his own um his own training staff he could hire a couple of his own trainers which by the way i think that that's one of the issues with the lakers is their infrastructure their their training staff their their front office and to me if you're asking those questions mcmahon you're you're getting serious about it. You're not just thinking about it in passing. I, to me, I'd rather have the team have these people in place. I'd rather not go to a team where I have to, to you know, buy the weight machines. I'm making I'm making a joke there, but um, right. that would that would alarm me a little bit. But if he's asking these questions, it seems to me that he's getting serious about it. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it at least seems to be a serious consideration. And you know, it's interesting to me. That a guy as close to Kawhi as Danny Green doesn't even really know what's going on. Danny Green is, you know, one of the, I don't know, what do you want to call it, second or third tier guys, one of the few who haven't committed somewhere because he's waiting on Kawhi. And if it's Toronto, he wants to be there with him to, to defend that title. If it's the Clippers, you know, there, there might be a, a 
I don't know if they would have room for him. You know, if it's a Lakers, they would. Then they would. Okay. If it's the Lakers, I think that's probably actually what the Mavericks are hoping for because then the Lakers obviously wouldn't have room for Danny Green. And uh, I would think at that point the, the Mavericks be in prime position to pounce instead of just, uh, you know, screwing up a uh, sign-and-trade as a facilitator with the Heat and kind of throwing the whole league into, <laughs> into chaos. Wow, right, that so, was something, wasn't it? Okay. If Kawhi's asking all these questions of Magic Johnson, who no longer works there and left there because he was so unhappy with its function, how does this... Uh, like, I don't get it. Like, so is Irvin saying to him, is Magic saying to him, yes, you should come, Laker. And then is Irvin saying to him, man, I, I got out of there. So I, that's so confusing to me. I, I don't know, you know. Just if, ask I, I'm just asking. That's the crazy thing. That's the crazy thing about the Lakers. They have stumbled, bumbled, and rumbled their way maybe into a super team that's going to win championships. There's yeah, they might end up clean. with three of the top, what, five players in the league yeah, after really not doing anything right other than location and history. Which is no wonder people hate them. And it's amazing. Um, and, our, and don't you feel like Doc is a great closer? Like, I mean, I know he never he didn't get DeAndre Jordan, but he came about as close. I mean, uh, not DeAndre Jordan. Help me out. That crazy uh, – Recruitment was it? It was DeAndre Jordan, right? And he did end yeah, up getting him eventually. Yeah, right. That crazy, that crazy Dallas. Right, right. Yeah. So I mean, Doc, Doc, Jerry West, man, pretty formidable opponent. Anyway, on we go. I know. Okay, we'll see. Um, so a lot of stuff happened yesterday. Craziness. I know the whole league is is wild. I I, th- I really think that the one of those the most amazing moments though was that the Golden State Warriors. Um, realizing that they had lost Kevin Durant and they knew that there was a strong possibility this was going to happen. They were laying the groundwork for this. Kind of radically went another direction and did a deal to get D'Angelo Russell and paid him the max, $117 million. I'm not sure that D'Angelo had a max offer anywhere else. Um, It was going to be tough in Minnesota, obviously, to make the numbers work. Right. Um, They pay him the max and to make it happen, uh, have to basically give away a piece of their soul in uh, Andre Guadalla. Right. Like, look, I, 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 under, I understand that, you know, life goes on, you know, teams age and, and you have to make things. But it was a, you know, it was a big shock to the system when that came down and a big investment in a player that he was an all-star last year, but I don't know if I'm prepared to believe that he's going to play that way every year. Um, Jackie, what was your reaction to Golden State, those two moves um, late last night? It was surprising, and I think it goes beyond that. I mean, we, I guess we pretty much think that Sean Livington's retiring, right? I think we're fairly in agreement on that. Um, but if he isn't, he's not going to be there anymore either. So they are retooling on the fly while one of their players will be recovering from surgery. I, I just – the Warriors are so proactive, and, and, and I think we all felt this way, that Kevin Durant was gone. That's how we all felt. And then the playoffs happened and the finals happened and the injury happened. And then everybody got a little nostalgic on Kevin's side, on the Warriors' side. And maybe you thought the narrative was going to be a little different. But they've been planning for this for quite a while. I think the surprise might have been if you're Golden State all year long, you're expecting him to go to the Knicks. So now when it becomes the Nets, you start looking at at, uh, D'Angelo Russell. My question is this. I have trouble envisioning D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry on the floor together. And I'm assuming they're going to be. Uh, yes, it, for that money, you it, better it, believe it. it. It's an awkward right. fit. So it's who, one of those things where you you, yeah. you take the talent and then you kind of try to figure things out as you go. And if right. it, if it's not a, you know if if things don't click, then obviously D'Angelo Russell 
would become a trade, uh, you know, eight sooner than later. You know, to me, as much as obviously the focus here now and what they gave up is, is Iguodala. He's been such a huge part of their dynasty. That pick that they gave up, I mean, that, that's a pretty significant asset that the Grizzlies got. Uh, to be facilitators, you know, if we're talking about, I mean, that that pick is far enough down the road. That's going to be post the prime, you know, after the prime of of Steph and of Clay and of Draymond. I mean, that might end up being a really nice pick. So, you right. know, this is a huge risk for the Warriors um, in terms of the the future asset that they gave up. It, it, to me, as much as. Uh, obviously, let Iguodala go, and then the fit. You could say so, that pick right. is uh, light years away. Mm. Yeah. Oh, look what he did there! Look what he did there! Oh, is his mic on? I'm sorry, that was a mistake. Um, so, I was you know he controls the mics during the Western Conference Finals. I was um, I was really in pretty significant awe of the Warriors franchise. Um, uh, I. You know, have obviously covered them a lot, but this playoffs, I covered them for three rounds because um, it was a different year. No LeBron, I wasn't with them at all. And um, I spent a lot of time with them. And I watched how they rallied together after the Durant injury in the Houston series. I took a tour of their uh, new building in San Francisco, which is just phenomenal. I won't belabor that point. Um, they're just, you know, they they have done so much so right. They then they completely shifted their style of play, and dominated the Blazers. And I, I my esteem for them was so 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 high. And when they say the, about being light years ahead, I granted it is arrogant, but there is a reason why they say it. And I really have been so impressed by their organization, and they have such a classy organization, and they have such a smart organization. But this is what's so fragile about the NBA. We talk about how things are fragile. Their training staff, I don't know whose fault it was, but they played two players who were injured, and those players both suffered catastrophic injuries. I'm not assigning blame. I'm just saying that that happened. Then they you know, made a trade here that is outside what they normally would do. And you know, it's, I think one thing that you sh- we should point out here is that Clay has not agreed – to his contract. And one of the things, if I were Clay Thompson, I would demand a no trade clause. You know, when they did the Steph Curry uh, mm-hmm. Supermax two years ago, he did not get a no trade clause and did not get a player option. And they did that because they wanted to set the tone that going forward for Durant and for Clay and maybe for Draymond, that they were like, look, we're not going to do that. And, you know, Steph was going along with them and you could trust the organization. Now, after these injuries and the way that they just traded Andre Iguodala. I mean, one thing Iguodala said on Twitter last night was that he had known about this for a week. And I find it fascinating that last Friday, uh, or I should say two Fridays ago, the day after the draft, we had Andre Iguodala on, on the jump in New York, and he was promoting his book. And I asked him about the training, about whether he was concerned playing on a calf injury especially after seeing that he knew was risking his Achilles, especially after seeing what happened to Durant. Because he has even said on the record during the the playoffs that he was taking a very risky situation by playing on his calf injury, even before Durant's injury. And he praised the training staff, praised the Warriors, said they they did everything they could to take care of me. Then, after they, I think, informed him he might be traded, 
all of a sudden his book interviews took a completely different turn. And now he's saying, oh boy, the, uh, they, told it, they told it was a bone bruise, but it was actually a, a fractured leg. And I remember thinking, and I think that interview took place on Tuesday, the following Tuesday. And I was like, wait a minute, I just asked him about his injuries and his relationship with the Warriors training staff like four days ago. And he was completely uh, effusive and and uh, defending of them and everything. And now he's completely singing another tune. And then I realized yesterday, well, that's what happened. He he realized he was going to be sent out, and he lowered his guard, and he started talking bad. And so I know I've filibustered here, but I think I've seen a change in the Warriors. And it may not be a change for the worst. They may be a, this may be something that was vital, but th- something has changed with the Warriors in these last few weeks. I mean, very, it's been, it's been, ahead, they've had, they've had, it, they've had just this remarkable run where, like, everything fell in their laps and everything was easy, and this is really the first time that the Warriors have faced major adversity, and, and well, going back, to really, in, you know, in the last year with all the KD Draymond stuff and the, kind of the KD's leaving cloud lingering, you know, this is the first time that the, the, this, dynasty version of the Warriors or what was the dynasty version of the Warriors has, has really had to deal with you know major adversity well and I think too when players get older and you get ornery and you get hurt too right and you your your mortality is staring you in the face and I think if you're Iggy you're looking at it and you're saying I was I was not just a key part of this. I was the MVP when you won one of those championships. Mm-hmm. And you always hope you're going to get treated a little differently. And I've seen this happen so many times. I mean, it was heartbreaking to watch Paul Pierce get traded to the Brooklyn Nets. He, he wanted to begin his end his career in Boston. He begged them. And, you know, good GMs are ruthless. They like, they like you. They can be, have affection for you, but they've got to make the best business decision that they can. And when that happens, it's very, very hard for these these veterans to stomach that. Think of, think about it if you're Iguodala, right? So it, time has a way of healing these things, but this is the, war, the, the hardest part of the business, no doubt. Uh, okay, so um, what were – by the way, I think last week when we did Max or No Max, I think we decided there would be 10 Maxes. Um, they were not going to be anywhere close to that. The teams, uh, I know that you know maybe only being five or eight million away is not right. really that big of a difference. But teams did draw a little bit of a line in the sand. We saw that with Tobias Harris. We saw that with Chris Middleton, um, who I feel like there was one more. Um, well, the other thing is thought- Kyrie and KD both both took less to help DeAndre Jordan get there. So does that really count? I mean, it does. No, I'm not going to count. I'm but, not going to count yeah, that you know because technically, yeah. depending on how they structure those contracts, they may end up getting there. But um, right. Uh, right. so that's and, been and one Middleton thing. Middleton and Tobias Harris. I mean, they settle for like 178 or whatever, 180. Like, ooh, man. <laughs> I know, it's pretty close to me. But even still, but but that makes a that will, those three to five million a year will make a difference for a team like Milwaukee in a couple of years when they well, theoretically yeah. could be facing repeater tech. What about uh, this Jimmy Butler situation? Jimmy did get his max after all that. It looks like it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but McMahon, you were in the middle of this. Um, can you sort of recreate as best you can what the hell happened in a trade that well, was a trade and then it was no trade? A lot of people around the league believed that Dragic was heading to Dallas. 
It was being reported, and and Wendy. I wouldn't even know, say just around the league. I would say people who were in the trade. In yes, because <laughs> because to, to pull the curtain back, I can't say who we heard it from, but yeah. somebody involved in the trade said, "Yeah, yeah," because we were. I was searching for. I was sitting next to Ramona, and I was searching for who else is in the trade. And we talked to somebody mm-hmm. who was involved with the trade, and they go, yeah, yeah, uh, Dragic is going to uh, Dallas, and he just moved past it. And I text you real quick, right? And I was like, hey, here, Dragic is going to Dallas. And then you checked with your sources, and you're like, no, sir. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Well, and Everybody's I, celebrating yeah, this. And, right. And, uh, you know, the entire time the Mavericks are telling me we're not getting Dragic, we're not getting Dragic, and I'm sitting there, like, I mean, it is being widely reported, and I'm just kind of like, what the hell is going? And all I could get back was no Dragic, no Dragic. So, you know, whether they backed out of Dragic, if if that's the case, they were backing out, you know, before even uh, a lot of people were reporting that he was in there. Um, they insist. That they never agreed to take Dragic, that for them it was always uh, an Olenek, um Derek Jones Jr., which doesn't even work with the with the cap math. Uh, they said that that uh, the Heat were supposed to wave and stretch Ryan Anderson to help make the math work. But whatever it is, like I'm not, I, d- I have no idea how there could be such miscommunication. Uh, I mean, this isn't Brooks and Brooks. <laughs> yeah, Dragic and Olenek don't. I mean, I mean, this is like That's totally great. different, right? That's great. That's I mean, good. the last the way, names aren't the same. And by the way, That's like um, the the Heat are some of the most seasoned cap people in the league. They sort of have set the they sort of set the tone, and they made new law and cap for years. And the Ma- and the Mavericks are they're not rookies either. You know, um, you know, it's kind of a newer front office in Philly. But even Philly, their their backup folks, um, you know, even if Elton Brand isn't you know all prim and proper on every single rule, Ned Cohen used to work for the league. His uh, one of his deputies used to work for the league. So this is not like uh, guys who just took over the job 15 minutes ago trying to pull this uh, off. Jackie, right. what did you think about Miami making this move for Jimmy Butler? Because I think they're going to get it done eventually. They're going to get this deal done. So I didn't see this coming. I, maybe I should have been more plugged in. Did you? I don't remember people talking yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was like a, it was maybe Butler's third choice, but the Heat were hoping it could it could be done. Well, uh, right. I, I, I a week ago, I wouldn't have bet on it, but it was they were definitely in the game. Okay, they were in the game, but we they've been in the game uh, finishing third for the last three years, right? <laughs> Fair points. No, no. Point. So mm-hmm. this to me was I I, I tip my hat to Pat Riley and that crew over there. This is a you know, and and there's a ship that's run the way Jimmy Butler appreciates it, right? There's nobody better conditioned than Jimmy Butler. Well, you got that you right. Know what I'm right, and so that's what it's all about down there in Miami. He he fits from a culture standpoint because he's going to demand everything that Pat Riley and Eric Spolster are already demanding. I think it's a good fit. Now, does it put Miami over the top? Of course not. That's the interesting part. Maybe we just have to state the obvious. Jimmy Butler wanted his money. He got his money. Yeah, and he got his well, money in, he, in, a great, his money in a great city. And, 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 he wanted, and he wanted to be the man. And that's why I never really thought that the Rockets, they were confident at one point, and that confidence kind of d- diminished. And then obviously they didn't even get a, a pitch. But I never really thought that was a realistic uh, scenario because Jimmy Butler does not want to be the 
you know, arguably third option or, or at least distant second option. Jimmy wants to be the guy. And so, so let me ask you this. That's why I let never thought the this. Lakers were, were a possibility for him. And, and I thought that it was going to be really, really, really tough for the Rockets to, to convince folks. And now, you know, the Rockets got some making up to do with guys that they were basically <laughs> trying to give away. Yeah, both the Rockets and the Rockets, uh, you know, uh, sort of sibling, the, the Timberwolves, which is now run by Gerson Rosas. Mm-hmm. Big eyes, but difficult. I mean, I don't blame the Rockets or the Wolves. They had big eyes, but, you know, they're trying to thread a needle. And you, you can't thread the needle unless you get the string in your hand. So I get it. But um, let me ask you this. And I, I realize this is a loaded question. I just want to ask it straight off. McMahon. Who would you rather have for the next four years, Jimmy Butler or Josh Richardson? Let's let's even forget about the contracts. Which would you rather? Well, have? I, I I can't forget about the contracts. I, I okay. can't. Um, you know, the contracts. That's that's too much uh, of a factor here. If if you're talking about the contracts, then it's Josh Richardson. Um, but for Philly, man, Jimmy was their closer. I, I think that's a a step back. For a contender, when when and that's why I I am surprised that Philly didn't step up and and you know put the fifth year on the on the table and try to keep them because they are a legitimate championship contender who in crunch time in the playoffs put the ball in in Jimmy Butler's hands and ran the offense through him and that's a pretty significant loss. Now you know to get Josh Richardson and go out and sign Al Horford obviously wasn't wasn't too bad of a day for the Sixers. But uh, I don't think you can just kind of shrug off losing Jimmy Butler for the Sixers. Well, um, the Sixers have taken an interesting path. Um, They are really going to rely on Ben Simmons' playmaking, Jackie, um, because their playmaker in the playoffs was not Ben Simmons when it really mattered. No, and Ben Simmons in the postseason, until he learns to shoot a jump shot, people it's a broken record. He's not going to be that guy either next year in the postseason. It's in the postseason when things slow down, you get into half court, and people just leave him there to shoot those 15-footers. Until he can start knocking those down, I don't really know how anything changes. I do agree with Tim how important Butler was to them because you know how it is with big men. I mean, Embiid's obviously their best player, but it's very hard for big men to control the game at the end of the game. We know that. And Jimmy Butler was the guy that got it done for them down the stretch. I was surprised that they prioritized Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. I'm surprised. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm not surprised they didn't give Jimmy a five-year max. That was pretty clear. Not, right. I understand that. But they um, still – it seems to me yeah. that – No, maybe, they, no, no they, of course I, they did. Of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did. Um, so. Yeah. Um, well, that'll be, you know, if Philly probably is not done, they probably have a move or two left in them. Um, by the way, uh, this this deal, now Woj and Mark Stein are both saying it's for $8 million a year for, for uh, Seth Curry, which is pretty good value, I think, for a guy who shot 45% mm-hmm. from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Um, this takes this takes them probably out of them for Dragic. They, don't, they couldn't even take Dragic if they wanted to now if no, they, they changed how to change a heart. No, they still could. No, they still, they still could. Well, not with what they else, will, but they're... But pl- not what they're else what they're planning to do. No, they right? they still I mean, got over twenty million in cap space. Yeah, but you know they want to make another signing. <laughs> right, right. Um, so um, I I, w- I would say that Dal- at this point, uh, Dallas may be out of it for that three for being in that three way trade. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. 
this is something that seems pretty basic, but uh, it's a good time to be reminded that if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. In the NBA, we have to know the numbers. We have to know what's going on, especially at this time of year. Uh, but the problem with so many businesses is that things keep them from knowing their numbers, especially growing businesses. They've got one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big inefficient mess, taking too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. I could say this about a couple of NBA teams. That's why you need NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow your business. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and those unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or your phone, which I can't even believe. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash hoop. That's for our listeners, netsuite.com slash hoop to get that free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. Again, netsuite.com slash hoop. Um, all right. So um, I'll talk about Milwaukee. So this is what I, this is what I was told. Um, this just on this Brogdon front, which is very fascinating. Yeah, it's really weird, right? So weird. Herb, Herb Simon is, well, Jackie, tell us about Herb Simon. The owner of the Pacers. Right. So he's one of the uh, old school owners, uh, just a wonderful man, uh, very involved in charity, but a guy that had always indicated he wasn't going over the cap. He wasn't that owner. In fact, I think his unwillingness to go, you know, really go for it in, in terms of the financial situation uh, is one of the reasons that Larry Bird was sort of, you know, in and out of the front office. I think he found it frustrating. So that's always been the knock on the Simon brothers. Of course, Herb is still living. His brother Mel passed. And so, yeah. you know, they treat people like gold. They're a wonderful family. Uh, it's run like a mom and pop a little bit. And so he, he, here's not, how mom and pop. Well, yeah. you, you've hit it right on the head. So here's what I understand to have happened. Um, basically, the Pacers, I'll just say it, the, uh, Herb Simon called the Bucks ownership and said, uh, I don't believe that uh, two partners should do a deal with an offer sheet like that. I believe we should work together. Um, I don't believe in just giving an offer sheet. That's hardly the ruthless business that we've seen elsewhere right. in the NBA. Yeah, and like right. I said, you, you treat people like gold and very honorable. And right. the Bucks were like, well, what's the number? And they told them the number, and I think oof, they were not going to match that. Um, right. And so they worked out a deal. Now, I would have understood all that, and they would have said, okay, uh, we'll give you a second-round pick or maybe even two seconds. But to get three picks out of them, yeah. a hell of a deal that Milwaukee drove there. Because I don't think if they signed the offer sheet, I don't think Milwaukee was matching it. No, they I weren't. Don't either. They weren't. He, he was going to be a big loss for them. I love this kid. You know that. I know him a little bit personally. My friend actually played college. Her son played college ball with him at Virginia, so I have some insight to him. He's just, you know, he's actually going to be a great fit because all the things I just said about the signs you could add, you could say about Malcolm Brogdon. Now, we know he's a, a career 95% foul shooter, 41% three-point shooter, and almost nearly 50% from the field uh, career, okay? He's just one of these solid guys, but the money... The money was always going to be too much. So if you got what you did out of Milwaukee, I suppose you should thank the, Mr. Simon for this. I didn't know that story. That's very interesting. doesn't surprise me at all. 
I think Milwaukee did the best they could on a day they knew they were going to lose somebody. They get they get they get picks back. They get players. They got not one Lopez, but two Lopez's back. And I mean, they and, were and, able and, to keep and, George Hill, which if you're losing Brogdon, George Hill, you keep. Right. You mm-hmm. keep George Hill. You keep Chris Middleton. And you keep Robin Lopez away from all the other guys in the East who all had interest in him as a center. I think it's so a pretty good here, day. Yeah, go ahead, McMahon. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say that with Brogdon, Milwaukee wasn't going to go that high and – I think that, or I know that he had a little, I shouldn't say trouble finding the market because obviously he ended up getting a great deal, but there were, there was a lot of concern around the league about his foot. That's a big reason why he went in the second round, and then obviously he's coming off a foot injury that knocked him out for a lot of the playoffs. So um, I thought it was interesting. So they got Middleton for less than the max. I know it's close, but it was $12 million less, and for a tax team, that's going to matter. Uh, yeah. They got Brooke Lopez for the. I mean, now four years is a is long, but they got him for roughly what the Kings pl- paid Dwayne Dedman. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, like they got him for less than Jonas Valanciunas got. Um, like mm-hmm. they got him in my mind at or below market value for a guy who's super important, and I think they got Robin Lopez for below market value for, to be his backup. Um, right. and, and how much uh, does that? Can I just? How much do you think Brian has to do with two brothers wanting to play together? We saw this happen before at the Morris brothers. They Marcus Morris took a bargain basement contract so he could play with his brother. I I I agree. I, I think it was great negotiating. And then George Hill, he got three years and I think twenty nine. So it was about what nine and change a year, which sounds like a lot, but he can be a starter for them. And when you're looking at some of the other, if you're looking at Terry Rozier out there, who got oh double that amount. Uh, you look at Ricky Rubio, who got what? He got sixteen or seventeen million a year. I, I, I mean, uh, I think that they got him. You know, below. I mean, Corey Joseph late last night got twelve million a year. George Hill is comparable to Corey Joseph, maybe even better because he's got mm-hmm. playoff experience. So I think they got George Hill below the market. They got Middleton below the max. They got the Lopez twins below the market. I think the Bucks did really well. Not to mention that. You know, I can just tell you, and this is what I've been hammering away about the Lakers going forward. If you're going to build around a star, you've got to have picks and assets to keep moving to improve your team. Well, by getting those three draft picks, um, they put themselves in better position because they had already traded two picks over the last two first round picks over the last year uh, to get off of Della Vadova and John Henson and then to get off Tony Snell to give them the money to do this. So they replace some of those picks and they get a trade exception that they can use later on, even if it's this season or maybe a year from now, to add a player. I, I think the Bucks did, ter- I mean, they just won. John Horst just won Executive of the Year and he probably won't win Executive of the Year next year because Sean Marks has, you know, hit a grand slam yeah. with the Nets. Right. But damn, uh, John Horst just, John Horst and, and their their front office just did another fantastic uh, job. Um, all right, I'm going to keep moving to Utah, uh, where McMahon is. Um, Utah with now they probably in my mind overpaid Boyan a little bit, Boyan Bogdanovich. But to sign a free agent in Utah, this is maybe the most impressive. Is this the most impressive free agent they've ever got? Well, wait, they got Andre Miller right back in the day. I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely debatable. But look, with the, the Jazz, 
you know, they, they, they've taken a, a slight step back defensively, but they're going to be an elite defensive team. Think of the upgrades they've made offensively in, in adding Mike Conley, who is a perfect point guard to, uh, you know, run Quinn Snyder's system to compliment Donovan Mitchell. And then Bogdanovich is an elite three-point shooter, certainly capable of playing stretch four for at least, you know, significant minutes with, with Gobert protecting the rim. I mean, the, the Jazz suddenly went from one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league to, to maybe one of the best. And, like, you watch the Rocket series, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're getting open look after open look after open look and just can't knock any of them down. And, and now, I mean, they've, got, they've added two knockdown shooters. Uh, and then to, to me to get uh, – Derek Favors is a significant loss primarily because he was the guy who played the backup big man minutes. Ed Davis is a f- – I mean, that's a Thank great you. fit on a Talk about deal. a terrific addition. I mean, like again, I'm not going to go on and on about a backup big, but, geez, what a nice pickup that was. You know, he, he kind of got lost in the, sh- in, the, in the shuffle with Brooklyn because they had to move on. He could have been out there. There's a bunch of other teams that probably should have gotten Ed Davis, and the Jazz got him at the last minute. What a yeah, and, what a and beautiful he's a guy job! Who his teammates always love. He's a he's a dirty work guy. He's an elite rebounder, and like I said, he's just a great fit. So that way, it, it really kind of eases any sting uh, of losing Derek Favors. So they become this elite shooting team and are able to, to replace. You know, a lot of favors value on you know with, with the with the room exception. I mean, it, um, it, and uh, Jackie, a, a great summer. I'm sorry to yeah. interject here, but this is what happens before people had Twitter. Uh, Woj is reporting that Miami is finalizing a trade to send Hassan Whiteside to Portland for Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard. Yeah, and I'm speechless. They need they need a whole Hassan Whiteside out of there. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm speechless that they got somebody to take Hassan Whiteside. Me too. Me too. Mo Harkless is a decent player. He is. They and they needed to move on from Hassan Whiteside for so many different reasons. And everything we just said about why Jimmy Butler was a great fit in Miami was why Hassan Whiteside wasn't a great fit in Miami. Interesting move by Portland. Now it's a good value for them. Because you don't uh, know Myers Leonard coming what, the best time of his life in the West Finals, even though they didn't win a game. Well, you know, you just don't know yeah, but, what uh, Nurkic is going to be this year. So I, I understand why they wanted a center. Um, yeah, and he's up. But, he's up after next year, right? Isn't he, Brian? He's yeah. at like twenty-seven million, mm-hmm. so he's yeah. you use that slot. Yeah. That makes that makes a little more sense. Yeah, Jackie, I thought Ed Davis would have been the way because you just mentioned Boston. I thought he would have been a nice he's fit a, in Boston. Boston still needs a center. Yeah. Um, there yeah, are, yeah, you know, Cantor. Cantor is someone they've talked about. Um, and, you know, right. I remember asking Danny when Cantor got released last year. I remember saying to him, what about him? And he goes, I like him. What do you what do you think? I said, I know he's defensively, he has issues. But, boy, you guys don't have anybody that rebounds the way he does. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. But I keep wondering, and, and I might be wrong, and this is conjecture on my part. I, I'm not, I don't know this for a fact, but I keep, Houston's been so quiet. Tim, and I keep wondering if the Capella to Boston thing is still alive in some form. And I don't know that that's true, but it, it just makes me wonder because Boston hasn't gone ahead and signed a big man yet. Yeah. And Robin Lopez and Ed Davis and some of the people whose names were connected to Boston are off the board. So just just conjecture on my I, part. I, 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 I did check in with a, with a Rocket source last night, and 
you know, their anticipation at this point is they'll keep that starting five. They've got to find some more bench pieces without a whole lot of, of money to do it. <laughs> do you think it. there's any way um, that but, Iguodala would go there? I mean... Because Iguodala's going to get out of Memphis. Maybe maybe not at the start okay. of the season, but, but yeah, he's not I mean, going to be He there probably anymore. ends up with the Lakers, right? But, hey, the Rockets, you know... They're I don't know. Iguodala they, wants they to get paid. They make a run at him. Well... Iguodala would like to get paid, but our, um, all right. Uh, let me ask yeah. uh, about the uh, about the Pelicans. Oh, liked what they I did. I love what they've done. Thought they've had a fent. I mean, okay. When David Griffin took over, he was holding a crap hand. Okay, mm-hmm. so I want you to think about this. Um, the concept that you know he really couldn't have made a trade with anybody else. Maybe the Knicks. Um, he. Okay, we don't have to go over the trade, but he makes that trade. And then on draft night, he f- he makes another good trade where he moves back four spots and picks up four picks for moving back four right. spots. Then he starts cashing in some of those picks by acquiring Derek Favors for two second-round picks, who fits in perfectly yes. for what they needed. But right. more before we talk about Favors... This was one of the most stunning signings I saw yesterday. I've talked to some people in the league. They still can't believe it. They're slapping their heads saying, if I knew we could get J.J. Redick for two years and $26 million, the $13 million a year is fine. That's even probably a little bit below what I would have thought. But him only going two years. I mean, at age 34, I could have seen right. him expecting at least three and what a value signing to add to that team. Take a look at their two-deep depth chart. Oh, they have ridiculous. a terrific 10-man rotation. They are set up to be a playoff team this year, and you can say that about you know 11 or 12 teams in the West, but for, the, for their recovery from you know basically gun to your head, you have to trade one of the you know, a perennial all-NBA player to, to the position they're in now. Is, is amazing, and obviously you get lucky getting the uh, number one overall pick and being able to draft a generational talent, but they've got this tremendous young core, not to mention all the picks they have coming, and then with Jeru Holiday, J.J. Redick, and Derek Favors, those are three really productive, high-quality, high-character, great leadership kind of vets to kind of guide these this young core, and, and like I say, I think the Pelicans are a playoff team next year. And I'll tell even you if, what, even if Zion is great, they're, they're, they may be a playoff team. And, and all I could think of, Brian, was all I could think of was what was Gilbert thinking when he lowballed David Griffin the way he did? You, you, mm. I'm sorry. That just that's all I could think about. We all knew how good he was. Everybody in the league knows how good he is. And you, you lowballed him, and to the point where he just said, "I'm at this point, I'm not signing. I'm walking." Waited a year. I'm, I couldn't be happier for anybody than Griff. That's for sure. Well, I think one of the things about Griff is that, you know, he did some terrific work in Cleveland assembling that team. He did. Um, he he didn't get credit for it because LeBron was there, and I get it. I mean, when you have LeBron, he receives all the credit and he should he's just a breathtaking player and you know Kyrie was there when he when he got the job I mean you know and and the Kevin Love trade was kind of put together I mean he put it together but it was kind of not it sort of happened because LeBron recruited Love in so he kind of had to take like a side saddle position and he didn't get proper credit and I think he was undervalued and by the way there were many 
teams that could have hired him. Right. Um, Orlando, Philadelphia, not that those guys have done bad, but there was many jobs that opened and were filled where he like got a tangential look or, and never like was offered anything. And he basically was waiting for an opportunity to to show what he could do. And like, Mm -hmm. this is a guy who's been in the league almost 30 years, who has built a championship team. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I know the guy. We have a really positive relationship. But I think if you guys have listened to me by now, I have no problem telling it like it is. If if David screws up, I have no problem saying it. Like, I, I am so impressed with what he walked into and what he's been able to spin it to. Um, it's you know even if Zion is just a B plus player, they have a really good looking next few years. And if Zion is a stud, which a lot of people think he will be, this is going to be a team that's going to be sniffing around the the big stuff in another two or three years. It's true, and you know one of the biggest things he did was right off the top. How many times did you and I, Brian, report or talk about the fact that Gail Benson? was not going to deal with the Los Angeles Lakers under any circumstances. That was her position after everything that happened. And David Griffin convinced her, we've got to do what's best for our franchise. Don't worry about that. We can't keep Anthony Davis. That That's the first big thing that he did. You know what? I think, that was, I think that was sly like a fox. Because the stronger oh, you said, oh, I do. I think the stronger you make it clear that you don't want to do business with a team makes that team, you know, you know, you know, play hard to get, basically. And, yeah, but, but, that's, um, but, but Brian, that would have all been moot if the Lakers hadn't landed that number four pick. And who saw that coming? That was just good that's luck. That's true. Good fortune. That, good fortune. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I, I thought the Pelicans uh, did great. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you guys saw yesterday that you absolutely loved or absolutely hated? I just thought you mentioned it in passing. The numbers for these guards were so high. I mean, who that Terry Rozier contract? Jackie. Oh, it blew me, oh. blew me away. It blew me away. I, you know, what I think I said on the pod here, he can hope to get fifteen or sixteen tops. I good for his agent. Good for him. You know, I guess I guess Charlotte had to come away with something, right? I guess that's the way you have to look. The at it. the lack of franchise planning in Charlotte. Look. If they don't believe that Kemba Walker is a guy who's worth 190 million, okay, that evaluation may not necessarily be wrong. But the way they went about it, why did terrible for that franchise? <laughs> why didn't you trade him? A why year didn't you ago? trade him? But, but because you wanted to make sure that somebody with the Hornets was in the Charlotte All Star game. I mean, come on. Yeah, but but in that case, sign him this summer for the 190 million, and then look quietly to trade him. You know, yeah. find another way to to move out. It just the the Hornets the Hornets get everything they deserve. I, I honestly, yeah. if they you know, I, I like James Borrego. I think he's a, a quality young coach. I think he's um, he's got a really good future. But if that franchise dies on the vine, I, they get absolutely everything that they deserve. Uh, I I have zero sympathy for them, and uh, I'm gonna say the same for uh, for Phoenix because. They don't even have enough money right now to sign Ricky Rubio. They they they're going to have to potentially offload a salary or pay somebody or stretch somebody. They signed a guy to a contract where they couldn't even afford it. Um, right. And 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 that was just. I mean, Ricky Rubio is a fine player. They need a point guard, but just why? Why did they pay so much? Again, um, they, and even Brogdon. And I just told you how much I love Brogdon, and even he did. You, I thought that number was big for him. As much as I love him, I thought it was a high number. I understand why they did it. I would have done it too. But anyway, we're, we're I thought the number for Corey Joseph was high. Yep, all the guards yeah, high too, and Deadman for that matter. 
Uh, I, I think that the, the Grizzlies' new leadership has done a really good job of embracing a full-fledged rebuild. Good call. And they are accumulating yeah, assets. What they Look, Mike Conley is a great fit for, for Utah. They got great value, and th- this Iguodala trade with the first-round pick, because it was a trade exception, that's essentially part of that deal. So they end up getting three first-round picks, you know, plus the, the, the and, and they could sell off some of these other veterans for more picks. They, they oh, could they, probably yeah. move Jay Crowder for, for stuff. They could, Crowder, I don't Corver. know about Corver, maybe a little harder sell, but Corver maybe, and certainly Iguodala, let's see what they do. I mean, they could theoretically trade him again. He's only got one left on his contract, right? Or does he have two? Yeah. He has one year uh, left, no, right? This is, this Corver? Is yeah. No, Iguodala. Iguodala. Yeah, he has um, one. They, they could multiply these these uh, these picks. Plus, they have a couple of, you know, they got John Morant and Jaron Jackson. I mean, um, you know, it's a it's something to, to, to watch there. So that's really good. All right, so yeah. um, go well, ahead, I, I just wanted to say one more thing about the Memphis and that, you know, they, they owe the Celtics. It's a top six protected pick next year. Mm-hmm. And mm. I could think... That Looking was good. what, yeah, and that was what. Um, that's what the Nets were looking for at a minimum. They didn't want to help the Celtics anyway, but that's why that three-way signing trade. Those were the, that was one of the things they were looking for out of that three-way signing trade that would have enabled them to keep all the bird rights on their players and perhaps lure Al Horford back. And that was a big, big, big price to pay. And they would also have had to pay Al Horford too much money. But that pick is is super valuable in the short term. Yeah. Good, interesting. Um, all right, well, uh, who knows what will happen once Kawhi makes a decision. But uh, thanks for listening to the Sweep Collective podcast. It's an exciting time in the NBA. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us, and we'll be talking to you later in the week. Who knows what we'll be talking about by then.